We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says, promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. Blue Wire. Hey, I'm Kyle Banduho, and welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire. Today, we are talking about The Sixth Man, a basketball comedy that isn't very funny or very rewatchable, but made for a really fun episode because of my guests, the guys from the Airbuds podcast, Jamel Johnson, Peter Moses, and Mike Benner, also a part of the Blue Wire Network. This movie sucks, but it gave us a chance to talk about no one watching the Pac-10, who the most talented Wayne's brother is, and what your sex life would be like if you were a ghost. So all in all, you know, recording this one was pretty fun. I'd call that a win. I uh, hope everyone who tunes in likes it. If you do, go subscribe to Airbuds, check out what those guys are doing, and go give Big Screen Sports a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, as that, you know, those ratings do help the pod. On a more serious note, in light of everything going on in the world, I am personally supporting Campaign Zero and the fight to end police violence in America. I'll be making a donation for this podcast, and if you'd like to donate as well, or learn more about the steps Campaign Zero is working towards to help their cause, go to joincampaignzero.org. That link will be in the show notes. Also in the show notes will be links to subscribe to this podcast, which I hope you do, and links to the Big Screen Sports Facebook group, which if you're still even using Facebook is about the only thing Facebook is good for, uh, that and remembering birthdays. With that, let's get to talking the sixth man with the guys from the Airbuds podcast. All right, special episode of Big Screen Sports, a Blue Wire crossover with the host of the Airbuds podcast. Joining me today, Jamel Johnson, Peter Moses, and Mike Benner. Guys, welcome to Big Screen Sports. Thanks for joining me. Hello, thank you for Hello, having us. Hello, thank you for us. having us. Hello, thank you for having us. You got that three different ways now. Yeah, yeah. Guys, uh, before we get into... This interesting movie we're going to discuss today, one that I have a lot of thoughts about. Uh, tell the folks where they can find Airbuds. Airbudspod.com for everything. Um, we're out here in these streets uh, on the Twitters, on the Instagrams, Airbudspod. 
Um, the Patreon is popping. We have a Slack channel with 50 of our favorite basketball degenerates that you can join. And we have some video content and exclusive Patreon stuff at patreon.com slash airbudspod. Um, and follow uh, follow Jamel Johnson's uh, for his comedy on uh, the tweeters, too. Just dropped a sweet special friend or foe that you can find at jameljohnson.com. That's uh, Jamel with a Mel, jameljohnson.com. And that's us. We're, uh, we're just out here causing a ruckus. Well, guys, I appreciate you taking the time to join me. Uh, the, the movie that we're covering today is something that, that Peter, you and I talked and, and you suggested, and I'm going to need I'm gonna need a lot from you guys on this one to know why we're talking about it, why this movie is important. We're talking about The Sixth Man, the 1997 American basketball comedy. It starred Marlon Wayans, Kadeem Hardison, Michael Michelle, I, I, I should have looked at how to pronounce her name beforehand. And uh, David Pamer as the coach is directed by Randall Miller. Do you believe in ghosts? On March 28, meet the superstar. Hey, get your thumb out of my eye. Who's supernatural? <laughs> Marlon Way. You bucket, man. You really bucket. Kadeem Hardison. The Sixth Man. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, March 28th. Got a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes. Damn. Rotten Tomatoes isn't always the the harbinger of of good things. Like, I think Happy Gilmore is considered, quote-unquote, rotten. But uh, yeah, they got it right. I think they got it right. This I, time. I, I think so. I think twenty three. I twenty three. It's it's not the MJ twenty three. That's for sure. That, that's why it was exactly. No, it was for him. Oh God, God. Well, we we've got a long. It sounds like we got a long show ahead of us. Uh, something I always ask first time guests: uh, What makes a good sports movie? Jamel, will you start? What makes a good sports movie besides a good looking jersey? The the protagonists of the film need a good jersey, but the villains need a better jersey. Let's be clear. The Iceland jersey in Mighty Ducks 2, fire, okay? It's better than the movie itself. Uh, that's very important. But you know what else is important? A nice soundtrack. I think the six man came through with a nice little soundtrack. I think that might be the strongest part of this film. I, I don't think I can argue with that. You need a good a score. Sports movies need a good – you need somebody with some strings – Pulling, pulling your nuts with the action. Peter, what about you? I think what makes a good sports movie is just real. Like, I know that there's only a few amount sports movies who really kind of can make everything sports real. Like, like the realism is like it's a zero to a hundred. I feel like any good sports movie has to be at least above like an eighty-five percent in terms of the action looking real, the things that are happening are contextualized and are real, whether it's a comedy or a drama, for me, the authenticity of the person who wrote it, the people who directed it and produced it, like, just having a, like, like, you know, it's so easy to have any person in the world just be a consultant for a director or producer to just turn to them and say, hey, does this look real? Is what we're doing here real? Does this, like, pass the smell test of sports? And any movie that doesn't hit that threshold to me is immediately you know, kind of disqualified for being a good sports movie. That's pretty much the genesis of this podcast, like to a T, appreciating authenticity in sports movies. Mike, what about you? Uh, the right protagonist, I think. Uh, when the movie is about a coach, I don't care about the story. <laughs> Coaches are boring. You're saying you They're don't care about Ben Affleck players. being a drunk high school uh, coach? 
I, you know what? I, give me when he was in the '90s playing college basketball. Over that, uh, I don't care about uh, Hoosiers because it's mostly about the coach. I don't care about blue chips because Nick Nolte is like you. You had plenty of years of success and money. Go away. What about what? Like, a, give me, give me a story about a player. Give me an underdog. I can what about Glory for. Road? Glory Road. They try to go both ways. Oh, Glory Road. I don't remember. Glory Road solid. is about the. Ooh. It's about see. It's about the coach. But it's also about the first all-black NCAA basketball team that, that won, they won it all. First team to have five black guys on the floor. And they beat Adolph right, Rupp. With Rose. Pat Riley was on that team, too. That Kentucky squad. Pat Riley, haver of all the sex in the 80s. Probably all the sex now, too. Let's be honest. That guy's aged very nicely. He looks fantastic in, uh, in the last dance. Guys, with that being said, with, with your criteria for what makes a good sports movie... Is The Sixth Man a Hall of Fame, All-Star, Starter, or Benchwarmer sports film? Jamel, again, I'll kick it back to you. I'm going to say it's mm, it's a bench rider, but it gets minutes. Mm. It's a role player. It's important. It's going to hit It's gonna hit one big shot in the playoffs for you. Just one? Yeah. Is, after, is it like a second-round shot, or is it going to hit a shot in the finals? Oh, it's like a conference final shot. It's like a big like a game six joint, but it's going to be after months of verbal abuse. And then it's going to Scott Burrell. It's going to drop 22 See, for you. I'm going to think of this movie as kind of like a Booby Gibson or a Sasha Pavlovich on the, you know, Cavs 07 finals team. Like someone who really is a bench player, but had like a moment or two to help them get to glory and then did absolutely nothing to contribute to their sweep against the Spurs. It is, it is somewhere between bench player it is slightly better than a bench player. I am with you. I think it is a role player, bench player type. It's Raja Bell. Uh, it's, it's a player that, uh, does enough things every now and then to weirdly be someone's favorite player. You know, there are people who this is their absolute favorite movie and I'm happy for those freaks that they found their film. Uh, but for me, you know, it's like, I want to provide some context for why I chose this movie too. This was the first movie that I ever saw without my parents. Um, Ooh, okay, got, that's big. That's that's a, that's without my a parents. Thing. It was also the first movie I cried in was Titanic because I was like eight years old or so, or eight or nine years old. I was pretty scared during that during some of those scenes. You shouldn't have been. You shouldn't have been able to see Titanic. Well, you know, it was a it was a cultural thing that was happening. My mom thought it might be a good idea. I remember she left my other friend in the movie theater because I was like, I need to go outside. But the Six Man was also the first movie that I cried at um, because I really. And I was really angsty, having like anxiety, even getting towards you know the pivotal moment where he kind of has a, a heart attack, um, because it just it really I remember very vividly like sobbing during the, or crying during this movie, which is pretty embarrassing in hindsight having to rewatch it now that I'm 32 years old. Guys, for this one, for me, it's it's a bench warmer. It's uh, Adam Morrison on the Lakers. <laughs> That's his name, right? The Gonzaga star, Adam oh, Morrison. Yeah, it's also a good it, pull right? because it's and very it's, Washington based. Well, and it's also because we remember Adam Morrison as a bench warmer on the Lakers because of the name and everything else that surrounded him, his career at Gonzaga. We only remember this movie because Marlon Wayne's is Marlon Wayne's. I think if it starred someone else, I don't. I don't think. I really don't think we talk about it ever. I think. I think if like Benner, Benner, this is Benner. I got to give him credit because he said it. If they just reverse those roles, this movie might have won a goddamn. Actually, that Oscar was me, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll give. I'll give my credit for it. Too. Oh, it was Are you? you mixing up the two white guys you hang out with all the time. Come on, no. Fair. <laughs> no, fair. I didn't do that. Uh, 
to me, Kadeem Hardison, I was saying uh, to these guys earlier, um, he was my idol as a child. Yeah, that's uh, what it was. I used to be a baby watching a different world, and I like modeled my whole life and style as much as I could after Kadeem Hardison. Uh, I went and got flip-up shades for my, my glasses because uh, he wore those in a different world. So to me, I would love to see Kadeem Hardison take the role. I also think for like the wacky ghost, I it should have been I just agree. I think it was, right? you know, joking aside... Other than some of the physical bits that they had Marlon do, it would have just been advantageous for them to completely swap because Marlon would have been such a more fun ghost. Like, you want the ghost to be the person that's wacky and not making the wackier person ground the movie. And I see, and I know, like, I get it. The point is. Kadeem has to be the ghost because he's the better one. We're trying to... Uh, Marlon's the cowardly lion and you got to be a ghost and give him courage. But you could flip that, make Marlon the ghost and it's the first time he ever like gets to control the situation and he's he's like power drunk. I yeah. They could have done it. The thing that's like the obvious talking point for this movie is when you say Marlon Wayans is in a movie and he plays someone's brother. You obviously assume the other brother is going to be another Wayne's brother. And it's the only bit of IMDb trivia I have for this one is that Sean Wayans was up for the role of, of Antoine Tyler. I don't going into watching this movie because I'd only seen it once. And I now remember why I've only seen it once. I, I was like, why? I, you know, why didn't they get a, another, you know, just one of the Wayne's brothers? Give me Damon or Sean. I'm, I'm fine with with either but uh, Kadeem Hardison was actually he was actually good in what he was asked to do but yeah I think the roles being reversed would have made more sense Kadeem Hardison's also 5-5 I no, mean he's well the way that. they filmed him at least while he's he just looks short the way they filmed him 5-8 tops he's 5-8 tops everyone's 5-8 Exactly. Everyone and every actor is five eight. the The only other opening He's, question: if five eleven, according to Google. All right, I would not. <laughs> if If he was five five, and I like, I like, I just idolize this man. That would be you saying you don't I idolize don't know, people. Yeah. <laughs> I just. No, I just feel like in my head he's like seven feet tall because I've just I've built him up that much. For, for anyway, you, sorry. he's your he's your uh, your Sean Bradley. He's your seven six guy in your head. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the only other opening question I have for you guys is uh, two similar movies that came out around this time. It, this and Angels in the Outfields, two movies with ghostly figures helping you out. For you, if you had to, if you could only watch one of those movies, I guess for the rest of your life, what's Angels the pick? in the Outfield? I'd still pick this one. Oh. I'd still take this one. I take I take this one. I think I. I it's hard for me to pick. I don't. I don't really like. Is Danny of those Glover movies, in Angels honestly. in the Outfield? Yeah. <laughs> Danny Glover for sure, and a, a young and Joseph Tony Danza, yeah. yeah, Christopher Lloyd also, right? Nah, Tony Danza's not in it. You're thinking of uh, Ed. You're thinking of the one. No, he is. He's no, the coach. Tony Danza's in it. Oh, I was thinking of uh, what's the one? The, Matt, yeah, LeBlanc Matt LeBlanc with the, with the monkey. Because <laughs> <laughs> like the best thing in retrospect about Angels in the Outfield is uh, Christopher Lloyd telling Joseph Gordon-Levitt that he's just going to let Tony Danza pitch because he's dying of, yes. dying of cancer. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't know it yet. He's only he got six He tells him months. he's like, he's going to die. This is a Disney he's movie. like, that dude, he's got fucking cancer and he's going to die. That is a fucked up thing they put in that movie. It's not even the most fucked up thing they put in that movie. Uh, Dermot Mulroney, who plays Joseph Gordon-Levitt's deadbeat dad, gives up 
gives up his rights to him in court. It's the saddest thing ever in a Disney movie. I'm so upset that we're on this tangent right now, but we've got to talk about it. <laughs> Angels yeah, in the Outfield the... is really fucked up. Yeah, they're essentially the wow. same movie. They are kind of, it's ironic you compared it to this because they're both uh, Disney films. They're kind of different coin, different sides of the Disney coin in a lot of ways. Like Angels in the Outfield is like the big family blockbuster and then uh, the sixth man put out by Buena Vista Pictures, which was like Disney's smaller like portion of their studio back in the day, uh, typically did like television productions. Put this one out in theaters, and uh, it feels almost like a made-for-Disney Channel movie. They just got a Wayne's brother to star in it, and in, in some way, this would have been a better decom movie, I think. Oh, it would have been so good if it was just on fucking. ABC one Saturday afternoon. And I could have covered this during DCOM December instead of on a normal episode. Uh, let's get into best scene, guys. And I, I run these down chronologically, so if I miss one of your favorites, by all means, interrupt me, let me know, because uh, I, I didn't list a whole lot. The first <laughs> the first Washington game, like the, the first game with the walk-off alley-oop, I thought it was like acceptable basketball action. I, yeah. I felt like it, it was fine. Which in this movie, I feel like if you get if it's fine, like okay, that's worth talking about. I think the the basketball in that scene and in this movie overall, there were some moments where it didn't look great, but there were a lot of moments where it looked really like decent and convincing. And Marlon Wayans clearly knows how to dribble a basketball, which is a huge problem with most basketball movies and the lead lead actors. That's true. He because he makes a couple moves to the rack. He hits a floater late that feels real. You know yeah. what felt the least real? Kadeem Hardison's stunt double. He looked like Kid Cudi. If you if you freeze it when he hits that oop, that dude looks like fucking Kid Cudi. Bro. And is also probably four inches taller than him. There's nothing better also in a basketball movie when someone who's clearly n- not able to jump or not high enough to dunk is like very clearly on like jumping on like a trampoline on like a nine foot rim. It's just very that, that that's one of my favorite at things is where you're like, oh, look at this person with their 74 inch vertical leap. And you can tell someone who's been familiar with dunking before and like ha- being around the basket and throwing it down with regularity. And then when it's an actor who who's not used to it. So even if they physically can do it because it's a nine foot rim or there's a trampoline, they're unfamiliar with like like if you if you told me like, hey, eight foot rim, you got to look like an NBA player doing this. Like, I don't spend much time up there. I don't I don't rent space up in the uh, up by the rim. I'm much more of a uh, perimeter perimeter jump shot guy. Um, it's like in Coach Carter, all the dunks in that movie look sick because they casted a bunch of tall dudes who are familiar with dunking. Valid points. The next scene I've got is the the Antoine death scene, basically like the Hank Gathers scene. It's it's more emotional and realistic feeling than you'd think in a movie like this, which is is something I kind of want to talk about later because I'm I'm not entirely sure what this movie totally wanted to be. Um, but all the dudes coming back in the locker room and not instantly like asking about Antoine, they're just like, oh shit, we lost the game. And it's like everyone's, everyone's like kind of forgotten what's happened, except for except to for me. Kenny. This is actually a larger problem with the movie as a whole. Is like so many times they're like, "What's up with 
Marlon, he looks so weird right now. Why is he doing this? Why is he doing that? I'll tell you why. Because he's fucking grieving because he just went through a really traumatic experience where his brother died on the basketball court with him. And there's such a disregard for that in, like, the storyline and some of the conflict of this movie the entire time. From the coach, from the players, from the team, from, like, the fans to the media. It's just bizarre. Well, yeah, this is another reason why it reminds me of, like, a Disney made-for-TV movie uh, similar to Air Bud, which not – I don't think made-for-TV, but another Buena Vista picture, uh, that kind of arm of Disney uh, – the plot of that movie, the kids, the main kids, like dad died two weeks ago and the mom makes them move into a new house. And the mom is instantly like, your father's gone now. You have to get over it. And it's like, there's just like this rushing of emotional, like nobody cares that you're grieving in a Disney movie. You know, there's a, a movie like there's the, the structure of a movie in this movie. Like if you put it in and I, I don't want to I don't want to step on another category, but I guess I'm going to I'm going to go for it. It's the right time. This movie could have been about been an emotional movie about the trauma of losing a family member and what the, the trauma of losing a, a, a brother and what that is like. And this could have actually been a like a legitimate drama or a, like a at least like a dark comedy or something. And they just completely ignore that aspect of it. There's no, there's no real scene besides like the end. And by the end, Anton's a fucking villain, anyways. Like you don't, you don't Yo. feel good about them reconciling at the end. Yeah. So the, the the movie just misses the whole thing that like this should actually be about loss. Like what if you lost the person in the world you were closest to, and then that person came back as a ghost? Like you wouldn't just be talking about like the reporter you're dating or the final four game. You'd be talking about like real shit and contemplating loss and and yeah so th- that's my soapbox i'll get down now but th- <laughs> this movie just completely skipped that well that's yeah. you're right and speaking of skipping things i do want to point out uh one of my favorite scenes the bar scene it, the the post first game bar scene uh with inside the giant warehouse bar yeah yeah with the basketball rims inside of it <laughs> pretty good uh shout out to will sasso for really really will that scene. sasso strong uh, work right by there. him yeah, he got Mad TV off that. Off that. <laughs> he probably did. But I also, like, why on earth did, did Kenny, Marlon Wayne's character, so the, the, the meet cute, or not that meet cute between him and uh, the reporter that he ends, ends up being his love interest, he orders a pitcher of beer, immediately spills it, and then he watches as the beer, like, pours down the bar and into the, the reporter's purse, but he like they stretch that a out for a good time. like two minutes. He doesn't do anything <laughs> like, to stop it. He doesn't do anything to stop it. <laughs> they just keep cutting to his horrified face, and then the beer running down the bar, and then his horrified face, and the beer running down the bar. And I'm it sounds like I'm exaggerating. It was over a minute long. Yeah, they they milked <laughs> it. They milked it. Yeah, it's I don't know. It was supposed to be like showing that Marlon is a bitch. I don't know what they plan was. I think it was showing that he was a little timid, but then he ends up going up to talk to her anyways. So, I mean, it it yeah, all works out for him in the end with that. But that's a that's a whole nother thing we're gonna have to talk about in this movie is that relationship because like I got I got some questions. The next scene I've got to nominate is the uh, the conversation between Kenny and, and the coach on the steps. 
It's oh. actually kind of a good conversation. Like, Coach might be pushing a bit too hard on, like, hey, man, let's make it to the Final Four. Like, yeah, your brother's dead, but, you know, I when I signed you guys, we're going to go to the Final Four. Like, that was kind of a cool thing in a, in a way. It's like, ten, you know, whatever, four years ago today, he signed, and the next year I signed you, and, like, I had this dream, and we can still accomplish this dream. <laughs> um, but it's, like, the insistence that Kenny needs to take charge in the team and then, like, that would be really good if he had actually. The coach, done my favorite that. part of that conversation was when the coach said, I was so happy that I signed your brother. I had sex with my wife. Yo, that's the funny. <laughs> it's one of the funnier scenes in the movie, bro. It is a funny scene, and it's a very good scene. And I think it is a compelling conversation because I think David Pamer, the guy who plays the coach, is such an incredible actor. He is like one of those actors that you see in everything he's just a character actor that's great in no matter what role he plays little dicky's dad on little dicky's oh, show and he steals the show damn he uh, is uh the, he's the gunshot victim in harold and kumar go to white castle he's he's the the vegas <laughs> inspector in oceans 11 or oceans 12 one of those was yeah yeah he's like just getting fucked with like the whole time Oh right, he's like the reviewer, like for like the the yeah. michelin star place or whatever right yeah yeah Anyways, he's the uh, only one. Shout out David Payne. And he's Dr. Stephen Elroy in SVU. Gang. And a good wife judge. Janelle, you got to watch The Good Wife, bro. It's got to be on your list. I know. It's, I'm getting there. The next scene I've got is uh, <laughs> when Anton shows himself to the team when he starts just like raising hell in the gym. I kind of enjoyed that. I was like, I wonder how they're going to. The, the funny thing is, I almost typed that up as like, wow, this scene is really bad because I don't like the. The the stuff about basically making Marlon Wayans look crazy the whole time, like that he always oh, clearly talking to someone. Like even if you had this ghost person that only you could see, you'd be a little bit more discreet about it. But then I like how he kind of showed himself to the entire team and like made the short guy dunk and stuff. Like I enjoy that. Yeah, that was the only part of the ghost uh, Marlon interaction that made sense. I thought to me that this scene encapsulates everything that's wrong with the movie in in one way. Uh, in that, what the fuck is the tone of this movie? Exactly. Um, That's the, it's like the number one question with the movie. They, so the movie is painstakingly set in the real world. It is, they play for, for G-Dub. They, they play against UMass and all these other real teams with real jerseys. They get, uh, Who is G-Dub? The, you mean University uh, of Washington? Isn't it? It's UW. Not GW. UW. I meant UW. I meant George Washington University, but I said, uh, I said, I meant University of Washington, but I was thinking of George. Anyways, whatever. <laughs> John Thompson's in this. Dick Van Lou Olsen. The cameo, the coach cameos in this movie are fucking wild. There's, there's yeah. a deleted scene with Nolan Richardson in Arizona. There's like a fake Arizona roster, but they have the real Nolan Richardson, and the entire Arizona team gets in a fist fight. And I need to watch that whole scene. I need to watch that whole day of shooting. Yeah. But then, so then they said it in the, in the real world. And then Marlon Wayans is literally being like lifted up and like banged on the floor, like left and right and left and right and floating through the air by the ghosts. And his teammates see it. And like, they're just like, what's wrong with Kenny? <laughs> like, Clearly, there's some fucking supernatural shit happening, and no one in the movie. Another point of like how that's a microcosm of this whole movie, like being off, is like him and his brother are best friends. They love each other. They're like, they're, you know, they ride or die together. They do everything together. And as soon as he comes back as a ghost, he's only there to make his life total hell. He's Michael Jordan in the 90s 
for yes. sure. Yes. Yeah. That's something that I could get down with. Having watched mm-hmm. Last Dance, I was like, oh, yeah. He is like a winning maniac who needs the last shot, even if he's dead. That Imagine makes perfect if, sense. if MJ came back to just haunt Scott Burrell <laughs> for the rest of his days. <laughs> yeah. But that that's kind of what I was saying in that, like, this movie should be about these two inseparable brothers like dealing with this grief in their respective ways. Like Anton is dealing with his life being cut short and all his dreams being cut short, which he touches on one time. And Kenny's dealing with still playing, but like without his brother and and, and they just don't, they just don't touch on it at all. But it's like the movie can't decide if it wants to be this kind of serious basketball movie with a supernatural element or a slapstick comedy. And it alternates between both of them and it doesn't do either really well. I also think uh, Marlon Wayans is. Did you guys ever see me myself and Irene? Oh hell yeah! Uh, Jim Carrey, the physical bits he does in that movie are so like insane and impressive, and I feel like they were trying to get like Marlon Wayans to do like get that kind of performance, like you know when when he's being thrown around by the ghosts and everybody's like, "What's happening to Kenny?" Like Marlon Wayans is just like not that kind of comedian. Like yeah, and then you're also trying to get Marlon Wayans to cry at some point too, and it's yeah. like not where you, you you're pulling him too many directions. I will say he has like he does have a dramatic bone in there. Like Requiem for a Dream is really good, and he's good yeah. in it. This just isn't. I, there's something about this just doesn't land. Because when he sh- when he was in in that movie, it's like I think the direction is clear. I think he's literally his mind is like, all right, I have to pretend a ghost smacked me, and also be like <laughs> really emotionally affected. Is I will say though, Marlon Wayans did hit like some emotional dramatic notes for me. Like in a weird way, there are a handful of moments in this movie where like I was truly moved yeah let me not be a full hater i mean marlon is still the most talented waynes everyone knows this well it's kind of what you said like with her cream for a dream has um, (laughs) has a direct like message like marlon knows exactly what he's supposed to do in this movie he's trying to they're trying to make him wear like seven different hats um like another scene i had had was the one where they're telling um they're telling antoine that they don't they don't want him on the team anymore and like he he's pretty he's pretty emotional in that like that's a tough conversation for him. It also gets what is my favorite quote. I'm averaging 18 points a game since he's come back. I don't give a shit. So I don't give a shit. But that's pretty good. Yeah. But that like that one is is where you you get some good Marlin. Um and I am all for saying Marlin's the most talented talented Wayne's. What's the what's Thank everyone's you. we might as well. We're just going off the rails with this one. There's a lot to talk about. What's what's everyone's best Marlin? Like for me it's Don't Be a Menace. Uh I mean that one's really good uh i would also maybe put uh above the rim marlin in there above the rim marlin strong maybe the other movie we should have covered instead (laughs) yeah i think my i mean the wayne's brothers uh tv show that's the top marlin (laughs) i think that's my favorite marlin but maybe uh you know the scary movie marlin (laughs) she's very funny but I'm going to say, I'm going to go ahead and uh, Keenan Ivory Waynes is the most talented Waynes. Fine. I know because you, you give, you. None of them are here. Yeah, you, writer. As the writer. Okay, okay writer. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, what's, what's your best Marlon Waynes? I think probably Scary Movie 2. And I also think that, like, to your point, uh, 
Requiem is super underrated. He is like, you know, if, if you're going to do that kind of dramatic turn, it, it, it was in that, in that moment in time, that was like a pretty fucking intense, impressive and acclaimed movie to kind of make that turn in. Yeah. And I mean, the same thing with like Leto and Connolly in that movie. Um, it, it just, that one is just like, so unrewatchable. Like you, you have to be in a really dark place to say like, Hey, I'm going to throw Requiem for a dream on. That's, yeah, that's, that's a, a tough, tough, that's rewatch. a hard pass for me. No, no. Yeah. Uh, the best David Paymer is the voice of chancellor. When he did the voice of chancellor in justice league, the TV cartoon. Oh, two. <laughs> that's the best David Paymer. Okay. So what's the, uh, what's the best Kevin Dunn? Who's the slimy writer. Let's just do all of these. <laughs> oh, Kevin Dunn. It was, I, I forgot Kevin Dunn was in this cause I haven't seen it since i've I've seen this movie a hundred times but it's been probably 15 years since i saw it last maybe probably 20 years um but uh it was so much fun to see him as a young man he's so he's so great he can be so unlikable and so likable like he can very much hit both ends of the spectrum like in this movie he's kind of in the middle like slightly unlikable at the end and unstoppable which i love he's super unlikable but then in warrior which i covered like a month ago he's great he's so likable he's my he's like the best guy in the movie so man we're just going all over the place today this is this is great um the only other scene i have besides the oh wait before we move on from that scene i do want to point out uh and i i didn't bring it up during favorite lines because uh i don't think it's a line but Maybe the biggest laugh in the movie for me is when Kadeem Hardison, after everyone decides they want him off the team and he flips out and does a bunch of ghost shit. Uh, and then he he apparates, he angrily exits the room by apparating into a painting. And then as he's walking off, he kicks a dude who's sitting on the side of a bridge fishing into <laughs> the water. That was hilarious. <laughs> that Yo, might actually so be the funniest good. scene. One of the few like legitimate yeah. laughs. The only other scene I have yeah. is like, and this is kind of just the sports movie trope, the last game. The last game is where they usually, you know, they push all their chips to the middle of the table and say this is going to be the most sports action and the most like everything's going to happen. It, you're kind of remiss not to include it in every single sports movie. Did I miss anyone's favorite? And does anyone actually have a legitimate favorite? Peter, what about you? You start. Is, is this quote or scene? I was just scene. looking up. I would say Kevin Dunn, my favorite of him, by the way, is a terrible uh, HBO show with Dustin Hoffman called Lucky, the horse one. I heard wow. that was good. Oh, it just got canceled because the horses died. Horses kept dying, and like it's kind of... Uh, it's uh, Who's the guy who wrote uh, Deadwood? It's that dude. David Milch. Milch. Yeah, it's David Milch basically just like coming to terms with his own like horse racing addiction, but Kevin Dunn is fucking firing that. Uh, scene for me, I would probably have to say overall it's got to be frankly, the Harry Husky gag (laughs) is like, there's just something that's always, even no matter how bad a movie is, seeing a mascot like get hurt over and over again is, makes me laugh every time. Those were the hardest laughs for me in the rewatch. I mean, it's why the funniest gif on Twitter is the, uh, is is the Nuggets mascot who's, who's the Toronto Raptor on the rollerblades falling on his face. (laughs) No, is it, is it the Nuggets mascot who's being lowered down from the ceiling? (laughs) Oh, yes. And he passes out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The best thing ever. Kyle, I have many mascot gifts. I can't can't wait. Mike, what is your, what is your favorite scene in this movie? Um, Favorite scene probably was, I think, just 
Well, I think if I was when I was like younger, when I was a little kid and watched this movie, I think it was the bar scene because I thought that that was the coolest bar in the world, and I wanted to. Be you there. thought bars would as be an like adult. That. I thought bars would be like a big party where there was like fenced in basketball hoops that we could play one on one on. Uh, and like there'd just be hot women that we can pour beer into their bags and they'd still talk to us. Um, but you know, that's not real life. And watching it as an adult now, I'm like, this scene is pretty stupid. Uh, I don't know what my favorite. I think my favorite scene is just that one moment in the painting where he kicks the dude off the side of a bridge. Because to me, J.K. Rowling stole that entire concept for Harry Potter. Yep. Uh, now we're getting yep, to Kadeem it. Kadeem Hardison and the Six Man invent it. Ghosts and paintings. Oh yeah, let's get let's. I, I'm fine with that rabbit hole. <laughs> J.K. Rowling steals from steals from the Six Man. Jamel, what is your favorite scene? I mean, you already mentioned it's a tie between the uh, the beginning of him being a ghost and the Nolan Richardson Arkansas fight and the coach pep talk. Those are my two favorite scenes. For me, it's uh, this is tough. I actually didn't. I really didn't think on this too much. What's my actual favorite? Um, I actually. This is weird. This isn't like my. I wouldn't say it's like the the my favorite to watch, but I think the best scene, I think this movie handled the death scene a lot better than I, th- I had remembered. And I, you would think this movie would like, you would think this movie would kind of botch it or make it a little too cartoonish. And like, that's actually tough to watch. Like him kind of seize up on the rim and just fall straight to the, to the hardwood. I, I thought they did a better job on that than, than you might think. Oh yeah. He crushed that. Kadeem yeah. killed that. Yeah. And they definitely shot it like they shot it die hard, like Hans falling off the roof style for sure, where they fell off a chair while over green screen. And then, yeah, it was it was, you know, that moment. Also, the moment like that moment led leading to Marlon Wayne's kind of breakdown in the locker room. So like up until like when David Paymer comes over and hugs him and then the whole team hugs. That was like. That was the, one of the moments that, like, oh, I am, I am moved by this movie. It is dramatically good in this moment. Yeah, you mentioned Die Hard. Like, since since Antoine ends up being kind of a villain anyway, would this movie be better if Alan Rickman played Antoine Tyler and they just played it completely straight? <laughs> like, there was nothing wrong with it. Shoot the ball Absolutely. at the glass. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey guys, let's take a quick ad break, and then we're gonna get back and figure out what the best quote from this one is. Big Screen Sports is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, BetOnline. NASCAR is finally back, and BetOnline has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary and what they're calling The Final Dance. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, and we are back. Uh, guys, best quote. Best quote. This isn't a this isn't a super quotable sports movie. It's not going to have anything that's going to be played on like a, a minor league team's montage when they need to to come come down from the uh, down from behind in the last inning. Um, nothing, and there's nothing too like crazy funny. I already mentioned mine. It's the 
I'm averaging 18 points a game since he's come back, so I don't give a shit. That was one of the only lines that made me legitimately laugh. Mike, what was your your favorite line of the movie? Favorite quote? Um, you don't think made, like minor league baseball teams are going to play the line where Kadeem Hardison he's going to go to the graveyard and fuck it? <laughs> That's <first>? my favorite <laughs> line too, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I do mention that. Sorry to steal that from you. No, please. I think my actual. That's the best line. My actual, I forgot about that. My one. favorite line is uh. It's delivered by uh, Zigi, the the seven foot tall uh, Croatian man with the blonde hair, um, and who we've seen previously. Uh, in, we all watch Celtic Pride, which is another sports movie. I have movie. a note down uh, here that it's like, let's take all the bad jokes from Celtic Pride, but just make it college basketball. It it that's that's fair. Uh, but there's a moment where uh, what when Kenny's trying to get Antoine to to show, or I'm sorry, yeah, Antoine to show that he's a ghost. Uh, by getting the the little guy to dunk, uh, there's a moment where Zigi just says very like in a very sad tone, and I think it's because he's he's such a bad actor that he's kind of hilarious. But he just like very plainly, sadly says, "Kenny, there's no way he can dunk it. He's just too small." <laughs> <laughs> and like that made me laugh. I think it's just his delivery. That's also my life, just like in a chestnut. Jamel, what is your favorite best quote from this one? Uh, and also, shouts out to that character, O'Grady, who has a really good response. He's like, you fucking, you seven feet tall, can't even touch the rim. <laughs> I was like, he was really, yeah. he, it felt like he was actually mad about being short. Uh, and they shot that from, they shot that from a low angle just to accentuate the height <laughs> yeah. difference. Yeah. Uh, my favorite line was still the coach, uh, uh, that, that, uh. The, pe- the pep talk line. Uh, it was four years ago today your brother signed the letter of intent to UW. I remember that day. I opened a 10-year-old bottle of scotch, went home for lunch, took a run at the wife. <laughs> <laughs> took and a then, run and at then, the wife is yeah. incredible. Yeah, and then Marlon, and Marlon's like, hey, whoa. And then the coach just goes, it was a good day. <laughs> I think I think mine, like, I'm gonna have to change mine. It's the it's the fuck a corpse line. Like that that's like that's iconic. Yeah, that's let's go down yeah. to the cemetery so I can get laid. I need some action. <laughs> yeah. That's Dog, you if you can kick a paint a person in a painting into yeah. a river, you can fuck anyone you want. Yeah, Why does it like, have to be a dead corpse? That line is also pretty good. He's like, there ain't even no fish in here. What the fuck? <laughs> I could use more about like what the afterlife is like for for Antoine. Yeah, paintings become real. <laughs> like he can interact with yeah. art. He's also on a physical. We level. find out at the end he's on a basketball team. Also, like, oh, are yeah. you only going to be having sex with like people who died tragically young at the cemetery? Like, who is your? Who are you going for there? It's a lot of trouble. No, he's there, he's only sure. gonna. He's fucking uh, actual alive old people. <laughs> Uh, all right let's get into uh something that that peter mentioned earlier about what's important to him in a sports movie it's what's important to me when i started this podcast without movies like this in mind the most and least authentic sports-centric parts of the movie Um, because every good sports movie you feel that that authenticity i am actually uh, you, you guys are the guests but i'm gonna be a bad host and i'm gonna go first because i think the most authentic like actual sports basketball feeling thing about this movie is the commentating and game presentation. 
the cadences yes. of the guys doing play by play and ha- it is actually pretty good. They don't use them as like a a meme factory or like to just be in like a kooky announcer. It is actually it it feels very realistic and grounded, which then makes you surprised that they they did some of the other they made some of the other decisions they did. Yeah, the announcers are great in this. I agree. They're they I mean, this movie is a character actor all-star game first off. Because they really have the homie, is, yeah. homie with the hairpiece. He's like, he's like runs with the Greek and like the wire. He's been in a oh, thousand. Oh yeah, episodes. Paul Ben Victor, dude. He yeah. was like, he's the guy who dies a heart attack in Entourage. Yeah, yeah Alan bro. Gray, the uh, head of head of the uh, the studio. Yeah. Oh yeah, he had a whole. He was half an Entourage. Yo, but I liked how the announcers like. It seemed like they were like. Um, like the it, they did a really good bit where it's like they're doing improv and they're never quite on the same page. Well, they also mix them yeah. in with like the real dudes. Like Brad Nessler was the voice of the NCAA football game forever. That guy's a, a real a, like a real one. Yeah, this movie kind of reminded me that the NCAA is corrupt. I, f- I sort of <laughs> I sort of forgot. Oh, it is about cheating in college basketball. Yeah, yeah. It did only make me think of like um, Ed O'Banion too. It was just like God. The likeness that's going around that they're able to banty about for millions of dollars is ridiculous. Yeah, shout out that. Uh, I also want to point out that Kevin Dunn, uh, he, I as I'm a former newspaper reporter, uh, he's like the most convincing, like on screen, like display of a newspaper reporter i've ever seen <laughs> just like slime he, balls willing to do anything for a story yeah and just like also just like constantly burping yeah. and like maybe Slight you, on you look like you smell yeah <laughs> didn't he have a line that was like it's a bad time to eat a burrito after a pizza or something <laughs> of that sort yeah something like that yeah, whatever it was, he sold it because he's so good kevin but dunn is, it wasn't a kevin good, dunn is great someone needs to give him a i mean i guess veep but like someone needs to give him his own vehicle and just let him go. I'm curious to see what that looks yeah. like. Yeah. He's so perfect as like the sidekick in Veep though. He is. He's so perfect in he Veep. He is. Guys, as far as is least authentic, did I mean like again, I'm just going to go first and I, I want your opinions on it. Mm-hmm. There has to be a better looking way, a more realistic way to insinuate that an angel is helping them. Like this movie tries yes. to be serious in a lot Agreed. of ways and the second the knuckle pass goes in i was fucking out i was yeah. all the way out but i yeah. will say this this is only possible because it is pack 10 basketball ain't nobody really paying attention to them fools like that I'm not staying up till midnight to watch magic <laughs> the fuck <laughs> That's the real. The realest part is that they chose the Pac-10 for this. Oh my god! Nobody, nobody so... gives a shit if they're cheating. It doesn't matter. It is true. Like they're like, let's look at the replay where the guy defies all aspects of logic and gravity, and we're gonna be cool. Everyone's cool with it. Oh, and he ain't going to the, the regional tournament. Where did he go to school? He went to UW. Oh, we don't give a fuck, UW, dude. Yeah. This is like fucking like farm league. Like this is like. <laughs> He might as well go to an NAIA school. We don't give a shit. Yeah, it's like, are we are we fucking sure? Like, it, it wasn't Pac-12, but it was West Coast. Like, are we even sure that Jim, all the Jimmer shots looked on the up and up? Like, he that he could have just had a Mormon angel helping him and dumping that Facts, shit in. Facts, wait. That, that is very real. They had a couple Mormon aliens. Yeah, <laughs> that, alien that Joseph Smith up. got them yeah. to the Elite Eight. Oh, for sure. <laughs> 
It was just a wife. It wasn't him. It was his wives. Continue. <laughs> did, did anyone else have anything for the least, uh, the least authentic part about this movie? I have one very specific moment. Okay. It's the moment where the mascot finally makes the dunk with the help of Kadeem Hardison. Ridiculous. Um, this happens. Number one, he's he hasn't made a he's he's zero for sixteen on dunk attempts up to that point. Uh, they meant to make a point to mention that as if the announcers are actually tracking that stat. And then he tries. He so, so for his seventeenth and final attempt, he's not made any so far. He tries it from half court, further than he's ever tried it. <laughs> Yet, and then Kadeem Hardison uh, obviously helps him. He bounces off the ghost and 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 makes the dunk. My whole most unrealistic moment is uh, this happens before the game starts. They would never do a mascot dunk before a game began. That is pure middle of the second quarter activity. For sure, that is, yeah. Uh, and I know this as an expert on basketball game presentations. Uh, also, and- like UW has probably at least fifteen, twenty thousand undergrads. They couldn't have found a mascot that could actually like do his job and like do the dunking. That's also a good point. No, it's impossible. My my least favorite part was also I think connected to that scene. They have they have some sort of uh, nondescript R and B group doing the national anthem, oh, and they yeah. have a guy. Playing a cello. I don't know if I've ever seen a dude. They had a guy on a fucking standing bass. That's Pac-10, baby. (laughs) It was the the great value boys to men. I might have been the yeah, group I was gonna public say, those demand. guys probably thought that was gonna they thought that was gonna be like a uh, a big breakout for them. <laughs> yeah. Like they were like <laughs> I suspect it was the group from the soundtrack Public Demand. <laughs> Peter, did you have anything for the least authentic part of this movie about a, a ghost helping a basketball team? Uh I would say yeah, the <laughs> physical stuff is pretty wild, but I also think like when a, a, a couple ghost moments for me. One when like he meets him for the first time and he turns all the showers on and like the faucets for the shower, like the handles for the showers just keep turning the entire time as if they wouldn't like either fly off at some point. I thought that was like that just really stuck out to me in that scene. And then also the barbecue sauce at at the on the date to me was the just A1 like, on the salmon. That was just a, like I, yeah. I think it was more just the fact that like all like I, I was just exhausted by this gag so much at that point that I was just like this is enough for me. I'm I'm good with this. I'm good with this whole premise. Yeah, because it, it's just he's acting so insane around people like dude you're i know that yeah i know the question was in the authenticity as it relates to sports but (laughs) just the inauthentic reactions to how people should be like seeing a man being beaten the (laughs) shit out of by a ghost there's a moment where he is in midair trying to kiss someone and it looks like he's pressing his face up against glass it's not physically possible to do so and his the the woman he's with is just kind of like what are you doing (laughs) when it's like when this movie transitions from hey where this is a semi semi serious basketball comedy with like the air of the supernatural to oh this is just slapstick bullshit it just can't decide what it wants to be yeah uh, let's go into what I think is going to be a pretty brief category. Let's go to what worked in this one. Mike, what did you have yeah. that worked about this movie? 
there were like five jokes that made me made me laugh. Uh, I did. I do think that they did a good job of of presenting like sports media, uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know. There was like there was one moment when he the uh, Kadeem Hardison as the ghost uh, puts his elbow through uh, the chest of ZG to like make it look like he, he is taking a, a charge. And like injures the other guy, and I was like, "Oh, that's a cool way for the ghost to help him." Like they should do more of that. And then they didn't do any of that. Jamel, what about you? Uh, Chris Spencer as the bench rider on the team worked for me. I thought he was a really nice uh, guy who never gets to play. I think he played that role pretty well. Kind of reminded me of Chris Spencer's role in mainstream Hollywood. Just wanting, just, just give me the ball. Never mind, Chris. You stay over there. Uh, <laughs> a lot of that. And I like the uh, that they kind of built up his relationship with the assistant coach. It's funny to me that the assistant coach and the last guy on the bench would become good friends. That was funny when they were like high-fiving and dancing with each yeah. other at the end of that celebration. And then scene. the next yeah. scene, he finally gets to go into the game and he's like, hey, you always looking out for me, man. <laughs> yeah. Peter, what did you have that worked? I think all of the coach cameos. I'm not even sure if they were cameos that weren't just like film that they grabbed of these coaches while they were actually coaching. But like Jerry Tarkanian in there, I'm just like, what? What the fuck is going on? Yeah, That's after, crazy. That was so, after Blue was, Chips, we know Tark will take a tw- take a quick cameo paycheck. Sure. Yo, this was the era of college coach cameos. And you know all of those 90s college coaches were fighting for these like subpar 90s movie cameos so fucking bad. So I mean, they could send the VHS to Vince Carter's house and be like, here's, yeah, coach, like, in the, yeah. here's coach in the, <laughs> the new studio picture, the sixth man. If you sign with me, you'll get to play under the guy who has two lines in Beverly Hills Ninja. <laughs> I mean, they won a na- like Lou Olson won a national, like Arizona won a national championship the same year this movie came out. Nuts, dude. Lou Olson was the guy back then. Jesus God, they Christ. They should have gotten Bibby in this movie. I know. It was totally illegal. You know they tried, but they would have like ruined Bibby's life. Jack Dad, Mike Bibby. Um, what I had that worked, the the A and K all the way slogan, like the from the beginning, it's like they're these brothers that are gonna do it all the way. You know, they're they're gonna they're gonna, you know, they, that's their goal. Doing it together, winning the, you know, becoming superstars, whatever. I just I wish they had stuck to that. I thought that was a good thing. Like if Anton came back with that message to like help instead of and like I enjoyed the banter between when there was actually banter between like the the graveyard thing was funny because it's like if your best friend, your brother had come back from the dead, like and once you got over the shock, eventually you'd still kind of shoot the shit. And I liked like the beyond the grave banter between them. I thought they had good chemistry before Anton just turned into a fucking psycho. Also, to that point, one of the things that worked for me and was also, I think, maybe one of my favorite scenes was just the opening with the dad. It was such a grounded, real like family and father coach brother like there was just like it was just so like grounded and kind and like the dad was like kind of hilarious and at one point when he's watching the game he did like a dance move that like i was like it is a very jamel move where he kind of like twerked his body a little bit um (laughs) what and it just was like it was like a kind of like a like a fun shimmy and i was like i seen jamel do that like all the it was like a very just like i don't shimmy dude 
Jimmy, you know, you have like a slight shimmy sometimes. There's like All a little right, like. So yes, I yes, I went to the Antoine Walker Dance Academy. There was this. It was a slight Antoine Walker, like kind of like while he was watching, reacting to his son's play. But that to me just was like an expectation and a grounding that they set that then they just kind of blew up twenty minutes in. Yeah. So let's get in. Let's get into the 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 category that I think we all want to talk about at this point. What didn't work? What didn't work about this movie, either sports-wise or just in general? Peter, why don't you start? Uh, I would just say the the ghost being a douchebag. I mean, I know that's most of the movie, but just like they loved each other, and then he became a ghost and became a total asshole. Yeah, it's like you. it's cool if he's an asshole if the movie's not supposed to be a comedy. Yeah. Then it's like, all right, I'm with it. But you're also trying to get me to laugh a bunch? While he almost kills a guy? Yeah, That's he almost it. kills the guy from Out Cold. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah we, and one on one. We forgot about how the ghost tried to murder somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he tried to murder a top 10 lottery pick. Yeah. <laughs> in front of John, the real John Thompson. Like, what didn't work? Like, you could have had Antoine come back and have a conversation with him and Kenny. Where there there needed to be this conversation where he's just legit. He mentions it a little bit, like I had dreams, I had plans, and he's basically like. Then he's like turns heel, and he's like, and I'm still gonna make them happen. We're gonna win. But it should have been like this conversation of coming to grips with like, hey, yeah, like I was gonna be a lottery pick, and my life got cut short, and that sucks. But you're my brother, and I love you, and I'm gonna help you lead this team because you've got the talent. And, and we're going to do this. Not like, get out of my way. I'm fucking everyone up. I will kill someone if I have to. I'm going to win this title that will not even be attributed to me. Yeah, and so that he they kind of get him to that point where in the final game, he's finally like, all right, you're right. Like, if you, you guys need to win this on your own, uh, I'll back off. And then when the game is on the line and Marlon Waynes is taking the last shot, he goes up to try to alley-oop it in anyways. <laughs> so it's like, did he learn his lesson or not? Like, Let it go, yeah. man. Let it go. Yeah. Oh, by the way, what didn't work, uh, why did Marlon Wayans have like 30 seconds to have a conversation with his dead brother while he, after taking a shot? I mean, it was, that happened no, in you, like every game, too. He had, a, he had mid, yeah. mid-game conversations. Oh, wait a minute now, Benner. I, I apologize for suggesting this, but you know it's a good idea. You got. We got to take the Kawhi shot against Philly and add Marlon Wayans and let it go. <laughs> oh my God! Over, over the seven bounces. <laughs> All right, I'll do that's it. getting a hundred thousand likes. That's 100%. fire. That's fire. Mike, you said you were a newspaper guy. I've got to ask you about something that somehow we haven't, we barely mentioned. Uh, when when you were a newspaper guy, did anyone at the newspaper? start dating a college student who is who who they were covering because what the fuck is up with that relationship that is such a tough beat so she was actually a reporter for the college paper so she was also a college student um what for whatever reason i've i've never covered sports uh so i don't know if like they just put the college reporters the college paper reporters next to like the New York Times reporters. I'm going to say they don't. I don't imagine that's the yeah. case. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, obviously, it's not good journalistic uh, integrity to be fucking a subject of a story. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and chalk it up to her, the fact that she's also a college student and their peers as to why she has bad uh, 
or I guess undeveloped uh, instincts on that. Front. I'm gonna say oh. it's not good integrity to to fuck anyone who puts a one sauce on salmon either. That should have been a <laughs> yeah. red flag. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be like, come on, and you know it. You could it's it's a major publicly funded university. You could find a guy cuter and more sane than Marlon Wayans. Yeah, she should have written an article that just like Kenny Tyler is a fucking freak, and here's why. <laughs> Uh, something that I also have, like found totally inauthentic about this movie, and this is goes back to the sports smell test. But when we meet the ghost for the first time, the Huskies are down by one with 11 seconds left, and the other team has the ball, and they're just playing regular defense down by one with 10 seconds left, and like the other team is trying to score, like. Any jabroni who's ever watched a basketball game knows you foul immediately. Like, the setting for, like, how they did that was just totally fucking flawed. And I think that might have irked me more than any other basketball mistake that they made. That's where you need the consultant on on set. I have something... I, I wrote this down as something that didn't work, and I just want to be sure... They they mentioned one of the announcers mentioned something about a wild card berth in the NCAA attorney. I was not following the NCAA attorney in 1997, but I know now the term wild card berth is fucking stupid. That's not a, that's not a thing. And it's it definitely didn't exist then. Yeah, okay. that was not just hell sure. no. Yeah, I, I needed a crowd. Do you think that, that maybe one. this was originally like a baseball or a football movie, and they? <laughs> Just kind of forgot to take it out. Moved to the college basketball. I forgot to remove the term wild card. They literally just took the angels in the outfield script and was like, "We just got to change some shit." <laughs> yeah. Uh, did any of you guys did, did you guys have anything else that was that was pretty notable that didn't work? I think I pretty much covered all my. Yeah, I think I think we covered it throughout this entire. <laughs> I think episode. we I think so we shot all the shots. Uh, let's go to yeah. the the Kevin Costner and Freddie Prince Jr. awards for best and worst on screen athlete. I, I think it was Jamel. You mentioned that that Marlon Wayans looked like he could look like he could handle the rock a little bit. Like I think I, there wasn't anyone who was like horrible. I don't think. Like there's been way worse. Even O'Grady, yeah. O'Grady was pushing that thing. Oh yeah, no, he did. He looked fine. I think my my best uh, athlete, best actor athlete, would be Kirk Bailey, aka Coach Nichols, uh, the the assistant coach who uh, suddenly can dance and do a split. Oh hell yeah, bro! That's that's true athleticism. He nailed it. Also, uh, shouts out to him and salute your shorts. Yes. Wait, Whoa! he's a salute your shorts. <laughs> yeah. What? Oh. Yeah. Is that ugly? Wait, no way. He's that, no fucking way. He's the like the head. He's like their head guy. Oh he's like the head of the. Oh my god. Uh, okay, Peter. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I was going to bug you out like that. He plays Kevin Ugly. They call him Ugly because <laughs> his last name's Lee. Yeah. Oh my god, that just blew, that my, blew mind. my mind, man. You could get I, it right yeah. or pay the price, wow. bitch. <laughs> oh my god, camp on Awana all day, all day and all night. Incredible shit. Wow. Incredible, incredible <laughs> shit. Yeah. Did anyone have a Freddie Prince Jr. award for worst on-screen athlete? David Pamer. Oh, tough. Sure. Guarantee that he, he can't – guarantee he's, he's never played basketball before. Uh, I'm going to say uh, who the dude who played Malik Major just because they have that really long scene of him uh, dancing sensually in the locker room after a, a win. 
Like they held it on his abs for a while. Yeah. Um, I love that moment that I, I, I mentioned, uh, Kevin ugly, uh, doing the splits in that moment. Uh, that was like a weirdly long erotic like moment leading up to that, right? Which sports like is they, a, the look? The American men's erotic. sports locker room is erotic. That is true. Yeah, but like especially college and below. The director's gaze was like very like it felt like a horny kind of shot. Like it felt like yeah. he just like he lingered on a lot of abs for a long time, and yeah. like everyone kind of got their moment. Yeah, yeah, it went from sports locker room to technotronic video. Real quick. It felt like a red shoe diaries. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's go to the most difficult category, I think. Cause it was, I, I think Jamel is, I think you said that this movie is just an all star supporting, like, character guy, bit guy movie. The Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character. We talked about a couple of them. Uh, Paul Ben Victor is Ernie, the, uh, the, the broadcaster. Obviously, Kevin Dunn is Mikulski. Um, he is just, he's incredible. You get the cameos, you get, you get Dickie V, you get Brad Nessler, Tark, Lute Olson. Um, it's, it's a movie that you're just surrounded by bit players. Mike, who was your, who was your favorite of the supporting characters? Um, I think we've already covered like all, like, like you just mentioned a lot of the good ones. Here's an answer. Here's someone that appeared and I perked up and got excited for him to talk at all. And he didn't talk at all. He just was on camera. And I got so excited to hear him. And I was like, maybe maybe he'll talk about ghosts. Maybe he'll be a fucking freak. Uh, Same. Bill <laughs> Same. <laughs> he didn't say a single word, but I got so excited just this to see him. This movie makes me think so they went to like wheelhouse. the wheelhouse. I really feel like they went to the Pac-10 tournament. And just like grabbed some footage of all of these coaches, and like Bill Walton, it like it seemed like it was just like almost like found footage. But he was he's mine too. Jamel, what about you? I mean, I'm standing behind David Payman. He's I love this dude. He's like he's like I guess because he had the least amount of lines, like because of his role. But he's like the only one who's really towing that line of serious and funny successfully to me in this joint like throughout like everybody has moments but he's always like every time i he says something i'm like yeah there you go coach i'm picking kevin dunn i just uh i just want to say it's like david pamer was like in a coen brothers movie kind of <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> just like that deeply dramatic but also funny like line yeah but sorry kevin yeah dunn. no i mean i just kevin dunn i think this makes him if i am not mistaken the first two-time winner of the Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character on this podcast. He won it for Warrior, uh, a movie that came out like 15 years after this one. Uh, so Kevin Dunn has both staying power and just in incredible screen presence. I love him. I can't pick against the guy now. And it's pretty much like whenever he's on the screen, I'm I'm all in. Like in Unstoppable, he's an asshole. He's weirdly one of my favorite parts of the movie. He's uh, it's weird also because I'm assuming he wasn't very big. I didn't, I like, he's been a character actor for a long time. Mid 90s, he wasn't a very big actor, I'm guessing. Uh, didn't have a huge part in his movie, uh, but like fifth build above, above the title, I yeah, think. Yeah, title. Mm hmm. Yeah. Title billing. Wild. Good for him. Okay, let's get into a tough category for this movie. 
Um, it, it's usually in a, in a really good sports movie. It's one of my favorites. It's the big chill. It's the the big chill moment, but the moment that that makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. It's Roy Hobbs knocking out the lights in the natural. I don't think I have one for this movie. The one time I think I kind of got the chills, but in a bad way, was actually the death scene, which I don't know what that says about me as a person. But did anyone have a an actual big chill moment, something that got a mic? Did you have one? I think the closest thing would definitely be the death scene. Uh, it didn't give me the <clears throat> the typical like sports film chills, but it gave me like... Oh, Mar- Marlon Wayans and David Paymer are like really acting in this moment. It is the the one time they both really go for it and it actually like kind of works. Jamel, did you have a big chill moment? Uh, there, I'm kind of on the same page as you guys. I mean, and I I I caught bad chills when he almost kills uh, Flex Matthews. Oh, oh right, yeah, <laughs> Flex. That's tough. You know, it was like that. You know, that's a good one too. Actually, it yeah. went to like horror movie mode at, at a point. His character's so crazy, and it's like, oh shit, we, we not laughing no more. The movie could have taken a real sharp turn at that point, and like he could, they they could have just done full heel turn, full villain. He's basically like Kenny. I'm gonna kill you if uh, if we don't win this game. Like if you don't, which let me I would have loved. Guys. Yeah, I yeah, mean, like it's like fucking Christine, but for dudes. Yeah, yeah it's basically like, wait a minute, is is Anton in hell? Like he might, he might, <laughs> he might be Peter. Did you have a big chill moment? The only moment for me that really gave me the chills was before we meet the ghost and uh, Marlon Wayne's. It's the end of the practice that he calls off, and Marlon Wayne's is pissed, so he just throws the ball up in the air, and everyone leaves the court, but the ball doesn't come down. And I thought that was like really effect an effective moment, and uh, just because we haven't met the ghost yet and realized kind of how everything's gonna fall apart. But I thought that was kind of a cool. I was just like, oh, that's that's a fun weird thing for this movie before it gets totally slapsticky. And the ball boys calling for the coach. Yeah, he's like, coach, where's the ball? Where's the ball? And that was a little undercutting, but just the the idea of that I thought was clever and. And it that I just yeah that gave me chills a little bit. I don't think we ever saw the ball boy again. Do you think Anton killed him? No. It was just yep. like you can't talk 100%. anybody about this. Yeah. Stuffed him in a storage. In closet. my head. <laughs> so the very next scene from that is when the coach comes and sits down next to Marlon Wayne to talk to him, and I was like, <laughs> it would have been it would have made me die laughing if uh, if he came and sat down and he's like, so Kenny. The ball boy says you stole the ball. <laughs> <laughs> and then he got kicked off the team for that. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, okay, the uh, would this make a good 30 for 30 or a good sports documentary? I, I don't know. I get you. Jamel, you're not in your head. Walk me through how you think this would make a good documentary. Like, what's the setup? Well, just that it's fuck. It's so fucking insane. Uh, what if I told you <laughs> one year the NCAA champion won because of uh, blood magic? <laughs> it has everything a thirty for thirty needs. It has two brothers. It has an untimely death. It has cheating, and it has an underdog. But they're winning. doing the like, blood it, magic it would make thing it, right now with Lance Armstrong. There you go. See, Blood they magic are, I mean, is covered. 
<laughs> it also it, it also is definitive proof that ghosts are real and there is a god and there is a heaven. So like I feel like it would be an important document. Hell yeah, and ESPN would pay yeah. top dollar for it. This is true. This is very true. Um, guys, the toughest category. How do you improve this movie? Who who wants to go? Someone raise a hand. Uh, I I uh, oh, okay, Peter, you called for the ball. Go ahead. I'll just say. Uh, Make it totally real and dramatic. I think that covers a lot of it, but like, there's so many ways you can go. But just go full blown, like drama, gritty, intense, kind of scary and horrifying. That's my that's my pitch. Yeah, I'm on the same. I'm on the same wave. I'm thinking we make O'Grady like we give him like a drug problem. Like he's <laughs> on. Like he's really dealing with something. We're dealing with that now. Yeah. He actually kills the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Just to make this thing actually, like, really, like, fucked up. Mike, you rolling with this? Yeah, I mean, that's my that's my pitch also, is steer into the horror of it. Like, make this, like, put this into the, uh, the, uh, the Annabelle universe. Like, let's make this <laughs> yeah. a straight-up horror movie, because Kadeem Hardison gets there. Like, he is a menacing ghost and he's playing it at times. Like he is actually like a ghost that is going to kill people and just go into that. That was more compelling to me than like the slapsticky ghost stuff. I'm going to be like the softy here and I don't want to go. I want to keep it a drama, but I don't want to see the horror aspect. I want to see it. It'd be a dramatic, serious movie, but it's about separation and loss and it's, these two guys, one of them is dead, like dealing with that. And one of them, you know, kind of what I said earlier, one of them is coming to grips with no longer having a future. The other's coming to grips with having a future without his brother and more of like a, a motivational thing. But I will say if, if they did make this and it was a horror movie, I would, you would get my money. I, I would pay for it. I would pay and watch it. So I, I think that's fair. Um, and with that, I think I think we go into before more restore prequel, sequel or a remake. Would you guys want to see any of the three of this movie, Mike? I'd see a horror remake. Um, I mean, I'd see any of them. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I got nothing but time right now. I'd watch whatever movie he's put in front of Super me. Fixed. But if I had to prefer one, I would. I'd see a remake if it was like a horror movie or uh, even just something with a more consistent tone. This would be the time for it. Jamel, what about you? Uh, yeah, a remake would be cool. I don't think we've ever seen a basketball horror movie. I could be wrong. Uh, but uh, I think a sequel, actually. I think I want to see, see Kenny make the league, you know, struggle with that. And then, he kill, and then his mom dies and comes yeah, back. <laughs> yeah, and she's like his ghost agent. Oh, or what if, okay, what if... Kenny makes the league, but he's not good enough. And so he has to like break into heaven to, 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 get to boost his brother out. And it's like a prison break movie, but getting out of heaven. God, yeah. So who do you, what team do you put Kenny on in the around? So he would have been breaking into the league. He was, I guess he was a junior because Antoine was older than him. So oh, he, it's 97. We're putting him on the Grizzlies, bro. He's on the Vancouver ooh, Grizzlies. Yes. Right up north, right up the, right up, up the street from UW. Just a shot up there. Yeah, man. Lob yeah, City, and and they, Lob City yeah. was big country. Exactly. And you can, come on, every basketball movie already has a big country character. 
you could just get the real Brian Reeves in this bit. Yeah, do it. You got to have the Brian Reeves sneaker, though. There's no movie without the big country sneaker. Oh, man. It's just a pair of cat boots. Those like... <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what are the odds that Brian Reeves believes in QAnon? Yeah. Oh God. Uh that that's a that's a wormhole I'm not sure we can go down. Uh (laughs) Peter, before more restore. Uh I'd say give me a prequel of like a really good like you know, we've got the remake and the sequel from these guys. So I want a prequel of like their dad like passing away and them kind of like supporting each other with their mom getting to like the same college to play basketball together. Yeah, and all the while Marlon not losing his virginity. Never. No, still a virgin to this day. I want a YouTube movie of Brian Reeves talking about 5G and Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. Guys, this has been this has been a hell of an episode. This has been a good time. Uh tell the folks again where they can follow each of you on social media, where they can find Airbuds. Mike, start with you. Uh, you can just go to Airbuds Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Airbuds Podcast at Gmail if you have any hot basketball tips. Uh, yeah, I'm not really on social media like Good that. Good for you. So uh, just if if you want to see my tweets, that's usually me hating on some basketball shit on Airbuds. So yeah, Jamel. Yeah, what, what he said. Uh, I'm Jamel Johnson. It's spelled like it sounds. Peter uh, at Danger Moses if you if you care. But otherwise, just go to AirbudsPod.com. That's it. And if you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, rate, review. You guys know the drill. Take Check out all the podcasts in the Blue Wire Sports Podcast Network. Also, if you're a baseball fan, check out my podcast from Phenom to the Farm, an interview series presented by Baseball America. That comes at you every other Tuesday. And until then, we'll see you next Monday. Thanks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.